You're listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson, the podcast that tells you what it really takes to build a business and the simple steps to get you there. I'm determined to share with you the reality of easy, simple business marketing tips to make passive income so that you can start making money online. Making Money Online is sponsored by Nicola J. Rowley PR, helping entrepreneurs and brands get visible through strategic storytelling. If you're serious about being seen and impacting the lives of others, harnessing the power of PR is the best way to grow and scale your business. Visit njrpr.com for more details and read Nicola's best-selling book, The Power of PR. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's podcast. Now, lots of my listeners on here are parents and one of the things that always gets said to me is how do you do it when you're parenting twins how do you have this business where you're making multi-millions when you're parenting twins all the time and obviously they know I've got Sam and, and Sam does definitely help out a lot but when I first started my business it was just me and these toddler twins and it was very it was very busy and it was a bit of a juggle and so many people asked me about this. I thought I would bring somebody on who is an actual expert at this rather than just hearing from me and, and my sometimes not very adept juggling. So I'm here with Hannah Love. Hannah is a pediatric nurse, sleep and parenting expert. Um, I know lots of people actually who have used Hannah, especially in the sleep side of things like get my kid to sleep. Um, so I'm excited to have you here, Hannah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. No worries. I want to talk about like you're really good at what you do now. And most of the time when we're good at something, it's because we've had to be. So tell me about I know that you kind of started being able to organize a home and almost parent yourself really early on. Tell me what happened there. Yeah, so my mum went away to study osteopathy when I was about 12 years old. And me and my younger sister basically learned to run the household. At first, it was a bit of catastrophe and washing up didn't get done. And we were eating our cornflakes out of saucepans in the morning. But we soon learned that if we wanted to have our school uniform and if we wanted to have a decent meal in the evening, then um, then that's something that we did. And so by the time I left school at 15, I was I was pretty good at doing the day to day running of a household, which, of course, when I started nannying was such a gift for the parents that I nannied for, because that's exactly what they needed from me. It's so funny because I had a, a near identical experience like my mum left our household to go live somewhere else when I was 11 and so I had a younger sister who was 10 I had an older brother who was in and out not really ever there and my dad worked all hours in about three different jobs because we lived in council housing and he needed to pay for, for us to eat and so basically me and Marie just took over like and like you very quickly learned that if you don't, no one's going to do it for you. And so we took over and I used to be the one that sort of cleaned up and kept everything tidy. Marie did the cooking at 10. Um, yeah. And I still don't cook now because she cooked everything <laughs> when, we were, when we were growing up. But um, it does make you more self-sufficient. And when I had the twins, although it was a massive shock to the system, I was really good at organising life as you probably are and so I very quickly was able to put in a routine for the twins that allowed me to have sleep 
Yeah, I mean, I think when when I when I started nannying um, in my twenties, the families that I worked for, I wasn't actually a qualified nanny. I was a qualified nurse at the time. I went away to university and studied paediatric nursing, and then I fell into an amazing nanny position in my early twenties for professional golfers, and was kind of taken around the world on private jets and first class with their babies. But they employed me because they felt the babies were safe in my care because I was a paediatric nurse, obviously, but also because I wasn't. Uh, a traditional nanny in the sense that I would only do stuff for the children. I mean, I had the dinner on the table for the whole family. I would book their flight tickets. I'd organize a household. I'd do the ironing when the dad came back from golfing. And, and so I kind of mucked in and did it. And that was just what was natural to me. So mm-hmm. that, so yeah, I, I got p- passed around about eight different golfers in my twenties, which was amazing, such an amazing experience, but then set me up for when I had my children um, when I had my first child, Oliver, I was 30, um, and I I was still nannying at that point. And when I had him, I'd got so good at juggling babies and households and works that none of that was new to me. Um, and I actually set up my first business, Yummy Baby Group, when Oliver was in the same month that Oliver was born, just because I kind of realised that I had this skill that I could hand over to other families. Um, There was no such thing as a sleep specialist at the time. And I was working for uh, the National Nutrition Clinic as a nutritional therapist because I've studied nutrition as well. And I was coming across lots of different families and all they wanted to talk about was sleep. And so I set up my business. The only thing we talk about, isn't it? When we first have a baby, that's the bit that's the shock to the system because there's nothing like the kind of tiredness in that first year. Absolutely not. And I was I was seeing parents for first aid training sessions, for weaning classes, for, for nutritional consultations. And as soon as I said that I'd been a nanny for years, all they wanted to talk about was sleep. It was like everything else that had come to me went out of that window and they were like, right, so how do I get some sleep? And that's how my first business was formed. It was originally called Yummy Nutrition, but or, nobody wanted to talk about nutrition so then it ended up being called yummy baby group <laughs> so I could be, encompass the, the sleep in there and then for the next 14 years I juggled building up my business alongside having two other children we built a house we like so yeah I've constantly juggled it yeah absolutely and and kind of now I've kind of found my niche as it were in helping busy business mums um, and working mums and and just mums really that want to continue doing what they're passionate about it doesn't have to be work if it's traveling if it's um, going out and enjoying yourself if it's going to festivals whatever it is that makes you happy I help them to manage that while having a baby as well as having a baby as well because I think people think that if you have a baby your whole life is over as you knew it And that, you know, that's it, everything changes. And actually it did change for me, but in a good way, because I left the job I was doing, but I never stopped working the whole time. So from when they were four months old is when I sort of started to get back into things. And I know people now that have businesses, they have a baby and two weeks later, I can see them online doing stuff. And I think, (laughs) how are you doing it? Yeah, I got told off for that by my husband, actually, because I was I was working on the way down to theatre. I had a, a planned C-section with my second two and he caught me on my phone. I took it for photos and he caught me answering an email on the way down to theatre. And he was like, you better not be working. And I was like, sorry. And then I answered a call in the car 24 hours later from a mum who needed help with her baby's sleep. And in fact, I ended up taking her on 
on a six week program. And towards the end of the program, she heard my baby crying in the background. She said, oh, have you got somebody over? I said, oh no, that's my baby. She said, how old are they? And I said, six weeks. She was like, you are joking. I've been calling you up for my 18 month old. <laughs> three o'clock in the morning for sleep advice and you've got a newborn I was like, well, I'll anyway, so it's fine <laughs> so all of these people asking you know how do I juggle things like I've got a baby you know a much wanted baby and now I've realized that work is going to be different and that how am I supposed to do things in the day whereas I used to have so much time people never realize how much time they've got until they have kids and then they realize how much time they had um, how do they juggle it? What is the first step that they can take to kind of get back to some semblance of normality? I think the, the biggest tip that I can give is to work towards your baby being able to sleep well and independently. And there's lots of families that want to co-sleep and contact an app and, and all of that is absolutely fine. But if you're a busy mum that has a business to run or wants to get on with other things and having a baby sleeping on you the whole time just isn't practical. Going up to bed with them at the same time as them and having to lie with them all evening isn't practical. Whereas if you have a baby that can go into their court when they're tired and go to sleep by themselves, you've got a more predictable day. It's never going to be completely predictable. And that's another one of my massive things is being realistic. Yeah. Uh, you've got a little bit more of a predictable day. So you know that your baby's roughly going to sleep between these hours and when they're tired, you can lay them down and walk away. It gives you an extra half an hour on top of their actual nap time because <laughs> they yeah. go to sleep in their cot. And then you've also got the evenings. You know your baby's going to be asleep and you just take them upstairs and put them in bed. So that would be one of my top tips for somebody that needs to have the time to do. And my second one, which I am terrible at, is asking for help. And accepting the help that you're offered as well. <laughs> I was really bad at that. When I had the twins, I was like, no, I can do it. I can make this happen. In the first two, two and a half months, I was a zombie because I was yeah. trying to do it all by myself. And I didn't really have much help at all. And obviously people used to say to me that thing where they say, like, sleep when the baby sleep, which is all great, well and good. But when you've got twins, they sleep at completely different times. So there's no, there's no time to do it. And it was only when, and I know this is like, People won't like this, but this is what I did. I found Gina Ford. Okay. And I and and I know that she has a sort of people either love her or hate her. But I was at the end of my tether and I was like, I need them to sleep at the same time. I need them to sleep at normal times so that I can actually get sleep myself and some semblance of normality back. And I followed it to the letter and they like it literally took seven days. And then after the seven days, it they were three months old. And they have slept through forever since then. And they're really good. They go to bed themselves. Like they've always been like that, even at three or four. They, they would say, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. And so they would do it and they would wake up at the same time. And I would wake them up if I had to wake them up, you know, because it was the time that they should be up. And I would always do that. Now, every time they went through any kind of growth spurt or something like that, it would all go wrong for about two weeks and I'd have to do it again. But in the main, it worked quite well for me. But lots of people have this idea and they believe that it's it's mean to do that, to kind of train a baby to sleep. And actually, if they are murmuring or crying, you should go straight to them and pick them up. And, mm. and I've seen that school of thought coming even more recently. What's your advice around that? So I think that when you had the twins, there was so little information around. I mean, Gina Ford was the book to go to yeah. for sleep training. And, and my opinion with lots of things parenting is there was two extremes. There's the attachment parenting and then there's Gina Ford on the other end of the scale. I come somewhere in the middle. So I think that it's really important for babies to have the skill of independent sleep. 
but I'm also a gentle parent. So I guide parents through a number of stages to get there. Gina Ford, you're basically going from the top floor to the ground floor out the window, whereas I take the stairs <laughs> to get down. You're going to reach the same point. You're going to get a baby that sleeps independently. You can put them down in their cot, walk out the room. But I show parents how to do that in, in a gradual way. So one, you can do it in any age, baby. You don't need to wait until they're six months because you shouldn't do controlled crying until six months. And I'm not sitting there saying that you shouldn't do controlled crying. It works brilliantly for a lot of babies, but a lot of parents don't want to just walk out the room. Yeah, and, and that's fair. Like it's it's how you feel emotionally, isn't it? Exactly. And and there's and there's different personalities of babies as well. Some babies, you'll leave them to cry out, like you said, and they adapt in a few days and, and it's working brilliantly. You get some more the parents call them all lovely names strong-willed or like a lot worse names than that but the, the babies have just got this personality where they're not going to give in and and they leave them to cry for hours on end and it just doesn't work and if you've got that kind of personality baby that's strong-willed they know their own mind then then controlled crying is just going to be horrendous for both of you so there is a gentle gradual way where you can slowly adapt through the stages to get to the same end point it takes a little bit longer but you can get to the point where your baby's sleeping independently without needing to leave them to cry it out. Which is amazing. And I have some clients who's, they haven't got babies anymore. They've got three-year-olds, four-year-olds, and they're needing to, you know, put them in bed 15 times, 20 times, sit up there with them. Their whole evening is gone. And my evening was always just this bit. The only time I had to work was my evenings because I had a full-time job. So the only time to work on my business was that. And when they tell me, I'm like, how are you coping with that? How are you getting anything done? And they're like, this, you know, I have to choose my battles and it's the only way. Yeah. Can you still kind of help people who have children of that age to get them to get into a better routine? Or is it sort of too late? No, it's never too late. I think that there's two things. One, a lot of parents say, oh, it's developmental and they'll they'll get grow out of it. And I always say to those parents that have got smaller babies, actually, I've worked with five, six, seven year olds that still need their parents to sit in the room in order to go to sleep, are still fighting going to bed at bedtime. Um, and so it isn't normally something that your baby will naturally grow out of or fall into. But no, absolutely, it's never too late. You can also, and, and I think with older children as well, kind of over the age of two, two and a half, it does make it, it makes it harder in some ways because they've got these set habits that you've got to undo, but it does make it easier in some ways because you can, you can talk to them. You can kind of, you can have a conversation about it. You can tell them what's going to happen. And the most important thing once they get to that age is to prepare them for the change. Lots of parents are like, right, tonight we're going to do this. And they try to change it and everything goes wrong. Yeah. So you sit down, you make the preparation, you talk them through it. You can use like worksheets that the baby can go through, toddler can go through and like see what's going to happen because they like predictability. You can use role play to kind of like go through the bedtime routine away from bedtime so it doesn't seem so frightening when you come to bedtime so there's lots of things you can do to parole the children in order to change what they're doing to go to bed that's so good and then when you have kids and you're trying to juggle work yeah. you know we often see I'm guilty of this too like I'll be on a live and my kids will be running around in the background and I'll be like I am trying to be professional but this they always seem to need you at the time that you're about to do a live or go on with a client how do you kind of juggle it like with you you've got kids and you juggle it really well do you have like structures in place or systems in place where is it all just about communication with the child 
Yeah, I think that um, if I always say to families, you have to choose what's important for your family. So when I've been working in the past with families one to one in the first consultation, I say, what's important to you? So my family, we love eating out. So it's really important that my children would sit in a high chair when we go out for dinner. Also for me, because I was taking calls from parents, it was really important that my children didn't interrupt me when I was on a phone call, unless it was important <laughs> um, and so they were two things that from when they were really tiny I, I put in things to make sure that they knew those two things were acceptable and you can do that I mean you don't want to be putting in lots and lots of rules from when they're absolutely tiny but you can teach them this is important for, for mummy and this is important for the family and you can put those rules in from early um from early on I think since the pandemic people have become so much more understanding of children running in when you're on a live or interrupting yeah. a phone call when you're on phone so that's made my job a much easier I've always worked online and never worked like face to face really so that's made my job much easier but there are things that you can do in order to encourage them to behave at those points like for example if, you, if you're talking about being on the phone for example a lot of parents and I hear them do this when I'm on the end of the phone the child comes up and interrupts and they're like I'm just on the phone mum is on the phone don't worry we'll do this and then they come back and then they interrupt again and they're constantly giving them the attention when they're doing the thing that they don't want them to do oh, yeah. which of course they're not going to then stop doing it so I say if you want a little bit of advice right now okay, well, <laughs> just hold them off just for one second carry on talking to me and when they stop talking then give them the attention and say what is it that you would want from mummy because then they learn that if they're quiet when you're on the phone they get the attention rather than when they're nagging you it's when about you're on the training phone. isn't it it's, it's like making sure they know the parameters of, of what you want them to do let's yeah. just talk a little bit about the guilt <laughs> you call it mum guilt but actually I think it happens to, to dads too this guilt of you know, when you're working, you constantly feel like you're not spending enough time with the kids when you're working. And then when you're when you're not working and you're with the kids, you're feeling like you should really be working. And there's so many people that say, you know, they go through their whole working life feeling guilty about things. I've never had that. I've always kind of gone, you know, I'm I can see the bigger picture. I'm doing it for them. Like we don't have. And I say to them, you know, when they're like, I have had one of them say to me quite a lot. You're always on the phone, mummy. You're always looking at your phone. Especially like if we're on holiday and we're on sunbeds. They're playing in the pool. As soon as they see me on the phone, they're up, they're at me. Like, you're on the phone, thought you weren't going to work, and that kind of thing. And I've had to teach them that I'm on the phone so that we can be there on that holiday. The phone is my work, whereas because they're used to seeing me at home every day because I work from home, it doesn't mean I'm not at work. Like other people's parents go to work and they see them less, but I still have to do a job. And so I've never really felt that guilt, but lots of people do, don't they? They feel like they can't. Yeah, absolutely. They're always in yeah. the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think no matter what parent you are, you're always going to have that guilt. I knew when I had Oliver that I didn't want to, I, I, was, I was a trained nurse, but I knew that I didn't want to be nursing because I didn't want to be doing long shifts and away for the children. I had a nanny job for two years when he was a baby that he came with me to work as I built up in the first stages of my business. And then since then, I haven't needed any childcare. I've been there to pick them up from school every day. I've been to all of their school plays, those kind of things. 
yeah, I still have mum guilt because as you say, like you are, I haven't had a holiday when I'm not there working. I've had to take my laptop with me. I've had calls on Christmas Day from parents that are stressed because their baby's not settling at a house. And so I still get that mum guilt, even though I've been there. And then you have other mums that are doing their nine to five. And when they're at home, they're at home and they're not working at all. And I know they have mum guilt because they're not there to pick them up from school. So it's a real thing for anyone. And I think you just have got to be at peace with what you've chosen I think yeah I think that is it you have to be at peace with it and maybe you know people always say you know you can have everything I think you can have everything but I think you will always feel like you should be doing something better and people have such opinions on the whole working parents thing anyway like one of the first times that I I I never go to the school to take my kids I just it's the environment I feel most uncomfortable in in the world you know you can put me on stage in front of 700 people and I'll be very happy you put me in a school gate with some mums hanging around and I feel very uncomfortable but the one time that I did go uh, someone actually said to me, one of the mums said to me, oh, it must be so hard. You're always travelling around the world, aren't you? In these exotic places. It must, it must be so hard leaving the children all the time when you're doing that. And it was such a dig. Mm. And I was like, no, I, I feel really good about it. And I, I get to take them around the world with me. And, you know, they're at home with their stepdad, who they love and who is taking care of them. So actually, I feel good about it. How's your life going? And you have to be like that. You have to know that whatever choice you've made, whether you're a stay-at-home mum, who also, they get digs from people because they're staying at home, what are they doing all day and all that kind of thing, when we know that that is a full-time job. So it doesn't matter what you do. There's always going to be judgment on how you parent. Oh, absolutely. There's judgments on all areas of parenting. And what I was saying earlier about kind of whether you're a chapter parent or whether you're leaving your baby to cry, whether you're doing baby led weaning or whether you're doing puree weaning or how old, how old are your children? Are they still in nappies? Like every single stage of parenting comes along with, with judgment. Oh, my baby was potty trained by two and a half. Are they still in nappies? Oh, your baby's still got a dummy to go to sleep. It's like every single stage. It's, it's almost like a competition. And I think yeah. it's even worse if you've got a group of mums like an NCT group over the years when I've started working with parents and they're in an NCT group and one of the mums will approach me I said all of my NCT group they're all sleeping through the night they have been for weeks and um and little my baby's not sleeping through is waking up 10 times a night and I was like I guarantee that your NCT group are not sleeping through the night I hear this all the time and within two weeks when their baby starts sleeping through and they're there at NCT coffee and the baby's asleep in the pram like how on earth did you do that and they all ask my number and before I know it I'm seeing all of the NCT group and actually it's just because they're they've been kind of bending the truth a little yeah how good their little baby is sleeping <laughs> it's so funny because it's not a competition and it doesn't mean anything that things happen at different stages I remember being in a Costa coffee when the boys were about I don't know six weeks old maybe two months old and I was on my own then and so I had them in this double pram and they both woke up at the same time and both started screeching at the same time and so I was feed I was trying to feed one while yeah. trying to keep the other in the pram and, and put a bottle in, in his mouth as well and the looks that I got this woman came over and tutted at me because they were crying and I said do you want to hold a bottle that will stop them crying if you want to come help and I think I was quite bolshy so I was you know I really didn't care what people thought of me yeah. but I've seen people in that situation you know when one of their toddlers is having a tantrum and people are tutting yeah. at them or walking past and it drives me crazy and I often just go and help and say hey do you want any help because I know what it's like but 
the judgment from people is is. the hardest thing as a mum. Absolutely. I remember when Oliver was about 10 months old and going back to this, it was really important for us to have him sitting at the table eating dinners nicely. And we went to, I remember it vividly, we went to his really nice Chinese restaurant. And before the dinner even arrived, Oliver decides to throw all of his toys off of the table and start screaming and dad was like should I take him out I was like no because if you do that once every single time we sit down to dinner he's going to be want to go out see the fish walk around go outside so I just turned the high chair around and carried on talking to Daryl and he was like this trying to look around the side and then I said are you ready to come and sit back with us again and he was like mm, and then moved him back gave him a prawn crack when he sat there happily <laughs> and then this woman opposite me she goes oh my goodness how did you do that <laughs> and I said to other people she goes oh I couldn't possibly do that everybody would look at me and I was like no when it works people will think the opposite and will be yeah. like actually I see why you're doing it yeah but we hate it when we're looked at don't we so you can yeah. see why people do it last question I've got for you is on screen so we're often when we're out and about if we're in a restaurant and we just want to have an adult conversation I will give the twins their screen for yeah, when they were little, I'd probably give it to them for 20 minutes, 15 minutes. But now I will give it to them for half an hour to an hour if I need to. What are your thoughts on it? Like, I get told that you shouldn't be giving kids screens all the time and this kind of thing. I don't do it a lot, but I do do it. I uh, was uh, writing in an article the other day about the differences between the first, second and third child. And um, and with my first, I was like, no screens, no iPad. He didn't have one. My second and third child obviously had them before they were four. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, and our phones way before that as well. Um, I think I, I'm really quite adamant that once a meal comes out, especially if we're sitting with family, that they sit there and they eat the meal. And yeah, yeah, definitely. And they don't have them at the table and I wouldn't have the TV on if we were all sitting around having a meal. But absolutely. I mean, if, if you're in a situation where you're going out for a long lunch with family and everybody's having a few glasses of wine, I don't expect the children to sit there for an hour and a half without screens and joining an adult conversation. Yeah, it's hard for them, isn't it? I, I had someone walk past and went, oh, kids, they've always got screens these days. And I'm like, if I didn't give them a screen, you'd be moaning that they're, they're making noise. And I've given them a screen, you're still moaning. So don't sort of care what you think. But yeah, I think so much of being a parent is being resilient and being really confident about your choices and being assertive in the way you want to do things, no matter what anyone else thinks. Absolutely. And that's what I'm teaching parents every single day is to be confident in what you're doing. Like a lot of the time, parents are questioning themselves because of reading so many different things out there they don't know what's right from wrong it's like actually you know what you need to do and they're like this isn't this isn't rocket science is it this is this is common sense this is what I want to do and it's just giving them the confidence in order to follow that path yeah so true thank you so much for being here and for having this chat with me I could chat to you about like the parenting thing all day because there's so many things but if somebody is really struggling to juggle right now you know parenting or maybe they're pregnant and they're about to have a baby and they're worried about how that's going to affect what they do on a day-to-day basis where is the best place for someone to come and find you you can find me in my, I've got a Facebook community with 7,000 parents, which has got free information for everyone there. And that's Yummy Baby Group Sleep Well with Hannah. Or you can find me on Instagram, Sleep Well with Hannah, but it's got an underscore in between each word. Perfect. We'll put those links in the show notes as well. So you can go straight there. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening, guys. You know, however you're feeling, whether you're a parent that is new or a parent that has been a parent for some time and you're feeling that juggle and you're feeling that judgment, I want you to know that everyone goes through the same thing. Everyone feels the same thing and you're never alone with this. Anyone that's a parent will tell you that. 
I will be back next week for some more advice on how to make money online. But whatever you're doing for the rest of today, have a great one and I will speak to you soon. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you for listening to Making Money Online with Lisa Johnson. If you'd like to get hold of my guide to launching, go to lisajohnson.com forward slash launch and let's get you making money online.